Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Titans presents a grittier version of the Teen Titans, showcased in the series that debuted on the new service, DC Universe. I sat down with the cast and some of the creative team at roundtables at New York Comic Con. We start off with Alan Richardson, who is Hawk. He's appeared in the television series Black Mirror and Blood Drive. What is it like to bring Hawk to the screen for the first time? Uh, yeah, a lot of pressure, I guess. <laughs> you know, I don't want to screw that up. Um, I think um, I learned through my experience in, in Aquaman uh, that you cannot please everybody. And, you know, good or bad, um, you just have to do the best you can. So that's what, you know, that's what I've been doing. And, uh, uh, you know, so far the response has been positive, and I'm, I'm proud of that. But, but for better or worse, I can't, I can't receive, you know, anybody else's, like, uh, accolades or curses, you know, because it's just, I just can only do the best I can with whatever material I'm given, you know, so. Um, <clears throat> thankfully, Jeff and Akiva and Greg and everybody's doing an amazing job with that. I guess criticism for some and, a, and pleasure for others is kind of a violent show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure, but it's a violent world. I mean, what, you know, why shy away from the stories that really exist? I mean, but the, the real reason it's important to tell those stories is not because we're nihilist, I think, but because they give us hope. You know, I mean, we see ourselves in these broken characters in this broken world, and we also see uh, the possibility and potential of what they what they can do. And, you know, I think if we can put ourselves there for a moment, it, it gives us, you know, a second of hope in a, in a rather bleak place and time. Sci-Fi Talk continues, so stay tuned. And what about the relationship between Hawk and Dove? Uh, yeah, sure. It's pretty simple from my point of view. I mean, he's he's found his soulmate. He's absolutely uh, just head over heels and has an undying love for her. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that is born from his codependency. I think she shares in that too, but in a different way. And they need each other. And, um, and I think it's special because, you know, we sort of objectify women a lot. And... Um, and to see a man on screen who pines for his woman is special, I think. So uh, I think it's fun that I get to bring that to life in some sense. But um, they just, they, they, they have a relationship uh, where they just need each other, you know, and they feed each other. Uh, which also, you know, raises the stakes in a lot of ways because what happens if they're taken, uh, they're taken away from one another? And it, you see that in this first season. It's tough. It's tough to watch. But... Now, did you read the Titans comics to get a feel for Hawk? Yeah, I was just telling them that I, I, uh, I asked Jeff Johns to send me some Hawk and Dove material so I could, like, I wanted to, you know, I wanted him to send me the right stuff. Like, I don't know which version of this. Where, so I just trusted that he would send the right material. And so he's like, yeah, we'll send you a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, cool. The package shows up. From Warner Brothers. Oh, this is DC. This is them. I opened it up and it's one comic book. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, I guess there's not as much as I thought there would be on this uh, <laughs> subject matter, but fine. So I read it, and I was like, okay, I got it. And I come up to start shooting, and I'm on set with Mick, and she's like, so what'd you, like, look into for this? Would you, did you read all the stuff? And I was like, yeah, I read it. She's like, it? It's like, did they send you a comic book? And 
She's like, yeah, they sent me like 80. <laughs> I was like, what the... I... <laughs> okay. I, so I read one. I read one, all right? I'm, I'm just... Like, I'll come out and say... I have a picture of it. I'd have to look. Um, but it's where... Uh, it, it's... Uh, Dove is his brother, and they're just out fighting crime. And, you know. And I'm wearing the costume for Hawk. <laughs> The first time I put it on, it was nothing. It was like this white, you know, badly, poorly sewn together, uh, like, wetsuit. And it was bolted, you know, the capes were bolted on. It was very, it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> it, it took, like, eight hours to sort of, like, fit it. And, so, you know, and then you come back next week and you do it again. And for some reason, it's still not fitting right. And then you come back another week. It was, it took, like, three months to get the suit built you know right and uh and even then there were like nuts and bolts everywhere it was just very i would bleed like when i took it off and i bruised for like a week and a half it was it was awful so we finally like maybe we could switch this screw here that's jabbing my shoulder when i punch to like velcro um and now it even takes like a team of people to get it done but um it's my least favorite part of the day i'll just put it like that I also have to pee once every 12 hours, I would say, so I just hold it. But All right, it's fine. I gotta grab awesome. On the creative team is showrunner Akiva Goldsman, who worked on series like Fringe and Star Trek Discovery. I've been carrying this one around for eight years, so this is birth. Yeah. Yeah. This is why my back hurts, I think. Um, uh, uh, you know, I, look, I, I I was delighted by the screening the other night. That's sort of all you can do is take it a little bit at a time. Um, you know, I hadn't seen it with other humans. I mean, besides us, right? And suddenly there were a lot of humans, you know, laughing in the places that were supposed to be funny and, you know, seeming to cheer at the right spots and for, you know, you know, and then you were like, okay, well, you're in communication, right? Because that's all we're trying to do. So far, so good. This was being developed. What a, you know, besides a more gritty approach. All right, come on. What approach did you take towards the team? Are they a team already? Yeah, they're not a team. This is a, like we're basically doing a 12-hour origin episode. You know, um, they are a team by the, by the way, not even. They're, they're they'll be a team by the first episode of season two, which we just got picked up. But it's about the creation of family, right? This is all an exploration of familial dysfunction because what are stories about people for if not that you know and 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 clearly comic book dramatizations are like carnival mirrors it's a way of taking normal human conditions writ large and then sort of exploring them in a, in, in a different way so for me for all of us i think what was really fascinating was well, what happens if at age 10 you're taken off the streets and weaponized? Like you're just a human being who's actually turned into a weapon. I mean, he's not, Dick Grayson is not Bruce Wayne. He's constitutionally different. His experience is different. His age at the loss of his parents is different. The way they die, it's all, you know, they're not the same person. But, you know, but, but Bruce's shadow or Batman's shadow, it's over the whole show. And that's really interesting to be able to sort of tell a Batman story where he's absent and omnipresent at the same time. Uh, and Bruce, and then Dick is sort of a fractal for everybody in the show, which is, I'm all elbows and knees, and I don't know how to get along with other people. Uh, and then if we keep throwing you at each other, eventually your elbows will straight. You know, it's like any relationship we've all ever had. Like, at a certain point, it works or doesn't. And in our case, since it's television, it will. On the reaction from the internet. The internet is the end of time. So, um, I, I mean, you know, I was... The, 
tone is vital, right? And, and what's really, this show will work for you or not based on tone. For sure, right? And, and the, the tone is particular, and that, that will be an, that's to your taste or not. But it's not a tone that is available in snippets, because part of what is interesting about the tone is it's an attempt to blend tones, right? Because that's what Titans did. Titans and the Perez Wolfman are, each of those characters were almost in a different genre. And that's easy to do in, a, in comic book panel. It's much harder to do filmically. And um, and so you kind of have to buckle in for the object. Um, you know, the, look, the thing that has made me most pleased is how much positive response Anna is getting, you know, because, you know, the internet turned its horrible sights on her, you know what I mean, without having any sense of the work she was doing. Or, And, you know, I, I mean, I've had them turn on me. It's a terrible feeling when you just think strangers hate you. It just, you know what I mean? And so that part... Uh, but I, it's the world we all live in, right? So you just ignore it and hope that they'll see it with open eyes and see it for what it is. The drive of this series is to build a team. Sort of driving towards the creation of the Titans as we know them. So, you know, so, you know, Robin, you know, is a, Robin is this, Dick Grayson and Robin are two steps on a journey that everybody knows ends with Nightwing. So we're aware of that too. Um, and, uh, you know, there is, uh, you know, Rachel is just Rachel. She's not Ravian. So, you know what I mean? Beast Boy isn't Beast Boy yet, right? He, so, so they don't have costumes, right? I mean, Robin has his Robin suit. But fundamentally, as they move towards becoming heroes, like Donna has a costume. He's, and people got a glimpse of Donna in the pilot, you know, but she's not wearing it anymore. Like, so fundamentally, we're aware of their superhero identities, but we want to see and understand the human side of them first. How did you settle on the final lineup of the team? Just a lot of begging. <laughs> Truly. Um, it was more, sadly more true than you know. Um, it's really Jeff Johns. You know, Jeff, thank God, was, you know, Jeff and I have been, you know, we've written this thing like literally eight times. I mean, it's, they're all slightly different versions of this, but, oh, you know, I mean, Jeff held on to Robin for Titans, even though the show kept getting stymied which was amazing because features and other TV would, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a much more central canon character. And, you know, you could see the movies starting to, to... And by the way, if Chris Nolan had wanted to do a Robin movie, we would have. But short of that, you know, we held, Jeff held on to him and, and then we got kind of got everybody we wanted except, obviously, the notable... Uh, omission of um, Cyborg, which... Who's on Doom Patrol. Who's on Doom Patrol, and better migrate over here if I have anything to say about it. But. Batman has appeared in the shadows so far. Any plans to bring him in? What we're talking to is how we see our parents, right? So, so Dick has a view of Batman, which is not necessarily accurate. It's the view of a, a son about his father. And so, should Batman occur to arrive, it would be in that context, you know, um, because this is a story about how we face down and come to terms with and embrace those particular ghosts of our past. 
How is that for like weirdly sort of not answering but sort of answering? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So I guess with that answer, let's not rule out Batman. We'll see. Playing Rachel Roth, a.k.a. Raven, is Tegan Croft, who has appeared in Home and Away and The Osiris Child. It's amazing to bring Raven to life because she's such an iconic character and it's never been done in live action before. So it's just, I'm so lucky and I'm really excited for everybody to see it. Does she trust Dick Grayson right away? Because of Rachel's empathic abilities, uh, which she doesn't call it that, she doesn't know what it is, but they are, she can see his, she sees his past, she dreamt about his past, so she, she knows that, and she can read his emotions, and she can tell that he is not dodgy, and he knows what he's doing, and that he's trustworthy, so that's why she trusts him. Raven's origin will be explored. Uh, a big part of Ra Rachel's identity is not knowing who her parents are in the series. And so the season looks at her trying to figure out who, who she is and through that who her parents are. Because she finds out her mum isn't her real mum. So and anyone who has read the comics would know uh, who her father is. And because this show is based on the comics, it's going to be... Uh, it, it may or may not. She's still kind of developing on this show. We're not seeing the finished product. So what's it like to kind of play her evolution on this series? It's really fun to play an evolution because uh, through every episode, just like, uh, just like in the show, uh, my relationships with the cast members get closer and warmer. So in the first episode, it's very similar to the real relationships. They're the same where I don't really know them, so it's kind of a bit of a... Uh, like more uncomfortable than on the final episode where we were all really closely knit and like known each other for nine months so it was really fun to play that growth because I felt the growth in the same way and then in terms of powers and superpowers it's fun to play it's fun to continue to discover new powers as Rachel does. And did you read the comics for prep? When I found out about the audition, me and my father went to a comic store and we got all the 1980, like we got the first volume of the Marvel Wolfman Teen Titans 90s 80s version, like the first one. And we also got the the Raven spin-off series because she's closer to my age and it's closer to the way I'm portraying the character. So I did a lot of research, I did all my research. We, we got the first season of the cartoon on um, Apple and yeah, so I've done, I did my research definitely. <laughs> and the most challenging to play? I'd say the most challenging part would be, it's also one of the most fun parts, but getting to the dark emotional place that she is almost every episode. Almost every episode something happens that makes her cry or scream, there's a lot of screaming in the show. Um, and as the actor I had to get there myself, which is pretty difficult to do, but at the same time so rewarding and satisfying when I do. And I have a lot of fun doing it. So it's both the most difficult thing and one of the most fun things. How did you prepare for that as an actor? It's hard to know because sometimes it's after a long scene and I can kind of get myself there through just the, like, kind of finding myself in the character alone. And then other times when it kind of is immediate, I think of, I think of 
Well, because sometimes I was up there without my family. Uh, I'd think of missing them and I really miss them. So it really got me, I don't want to say like to a dark place because they always make me happy, but remembering, like just, it helped make me cry. The tone of this is something we haven't seen much in the DC type show. It's very gritty and raw mm -hmm. in that way. I, I guess because it's a formation of a team, but just in the violence aspect of it. What's that like to play that? I mean, you guys are kind of put through the ringer and we're going to see what's going to Yeah. Yeah, well, um, it's interesting actually because when you're behind the scenes, you see the mass amounts of makeup that goes to, like they're in there for hours. It's incredible, it's really incredible. And you see everything, and I love to watch the stunt people do their thing, and because it's really cool to see them look like they're getting beat up and everything, but they're actually just kind of flipping and uh, and they're dodging it. And and it was I made friends with some stunt people too, and it was really it's a fun it's a fun aspect of the show. And uh, sometimes it was a little bit hard to distinguish from reality, you know, like. Uh, when it's kind of too close for comfort. But after that, I kind of can, I have my support system, my family, my friends on set, my double Carly, and uh, just everyone kind of helped pull me out of it. And so, yes. Does the makeup, like the bruising and stuff, kind of take you to that moment too a little bit? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Raven doesn't really get hurt as much on the show because she's so ultra powerful, like not to toot my own horn or anything. Um, but it's but getting into the characterization, getting the wig on and getting the makeup done definitely helps with that. Uh, just getting to the characterization and it helps get into the dark place as mentioned before. And getting into the scene too, like uh, watching them set up and reading my lines and everything really gets me into like, this is who I am for the, for the next like hour or so before I go have a break or something. So uh, yeah, costume appearance. And then also just like trying to be quiet. It's kind of difficult for me to be quiet on set. I'm a pretty talkative person. But um, when I have a, a darker scene, definitely being quieter on set. There's more on the Titans, so stay tuned. Hi, this is Brad Abraham, the writer of RoboCop Prime Directives and the forthcoming Stonehenge Apocalypse, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Talk. Playing Beast Boy is actor Ryan Potter, who appeared on Throne of Elves, lending his vocal talents to Big Hero 6 the series. I know, we've been talking about blood and gore. Let's talk about some, like, funny things and, huh. and nice things. That's what I'm, I bring to the table. <laughs> so you're the first Beast Boy in live action. It's a trip. I said this before and I will say it again, but this is the reason I bring it up is because it's true. I mean, I when I moved from Japan to America, Teen Titans was the first animated series that I fell in love with because the animation style was reminiscent of something I'd see back home. And Beast Boy was an example of an outsider using pop culture knowledge to assimilate to team culture and humanity in general because he's a green dude like he no one like if you saw someone green walk in here not not that we're being racist it's just we've never seen that before being who i was in my elementary school i used toys and comic books and and manga and films and music to um make friends because i i didn't have the ability to communicate that the other seven-year-olds you know in in the 
first grade or kindergarten had. So I had to use visual things and yeah. When when we have those 14 hour, 16 hour, maybe even 18 hour shoot days and people are covered in blood and, and it, the, the set's dark and there's just atmosphere and I get to just be the pain in the ass and make people smile and make people laugh and you know when we're going and shooting until six in the morning I'm I I maintain the character and I just try and you know brighten the mood so it's it's awesome because you know like when when Raven and Anna are together there's some there's some chuck ch- chuckles uh, but when you know Beast Boy is introduced there's a little bit there's a, a fuller laugh because of I don't know. He's you know he's the butt of the joke, or he's uh, smart and good looking and witty. Uh, I don't know. Sci-fi talk returns in a moment. His reaction to his costume. I was one. Okay, so I mean, I think everyone's initial reaction was, "Why is he not green?" And there is very good reason for why he's not green. He's not Beast Boy yet. To be hundred percent honest, this is he's still Garfield Logan. And Garfield Logan knows how to turn into a tiger. And that's, and he's like, cool, I'm happy with that. He lives with the Doom Patrol and that's where he's at. He's not yet Changeling or Beast Boy. He, he is versed in a number of things because he lives with a very interesting family. He's had a very interesting stepfather and an interesting childhood. Uh, so he's not incompetent, but he is not who we know him. To be, yeah, uh, he'll be, he'll get there. What about his view on Beast Boy being Asian? Listen, it is what it is, man. Um, the, the, the United States is the melting pot of the world. Uh, if if we preach freedom, if we preach, you know, chase your dreams, uh, being inclusive, diversity. If we preach all those things, our media has to represent that because when we show the show. On Netflix overseas and it's based in America like I'm you know I didn't when I was growing up there was no face that looked like me on television the only place I could find that was in manga or in anime and even that there was a little distance too because I sit on the fence looking into two yards and there are a number of biracial people in America that I think will be able to I think resonate with Beast Boy simply based off of his heritage and his upbringing and kind of where he's at mentally and emotionally. I mean, it's 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 about representation, man, and, I, and it's proper representation because representation representation done poorly can do more damage than it can good. And I think in this light, it's it's only beneficial. How did he find his inner animal? Okay, yeah. So I I've I've grown up with 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 hamsters, with dogs, with cats, rabbit, um, I had, good God, I had fish, I had frogs, so I've had animals in my life. Um, I grew up bug hunting in Japan, um, and to prep for the, for the, the animals, I spent numerous hours on YouTube uh, replaying the same three-minute clip over and over of the way animals breathe or the way they communicate uh, in, 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 in the sounds they make in their vocal box. And that was, that's as much as I can bring to the animal instinct because I'm not walking around on set on all fours. But anything I can do with my vocal box, I try to attempt. And um, the, what I did with the tiger was, was primarily me. Yeah. And what draws him to Raven? I don't think he sees the... 
the grand scheme of everything yet, but he sees an outsider. He sees he sees he sees an outlier. He sees somebody that maybe is reminiscent of the family that he's from. So therefore, there is there is an interest in in getting to know her. But of course, you know, uh, in in Garfield Logan, 15 year old Beast Boy's uh, eyes, you know, she's a cute girl, and um, he's 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 snuck out of the house. He wants to say hi. Yeah. <laughs> Playing the pivotal role of Robin is Brenton Thwaites, who appeared in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, and Home and Away. It's an honor, mate. Yeah, it's a character that I had known for so long. You know, the Batman stories have been going for so many years, and um, a lot of the new ones coming out in the last like ten years, I, you know, I would have no idea who they were, um, and I think a lot of people wouldn't have any idea if they weren't on the big screen. But Batman and Robin is so traditional, you know, it's so old school. Having said that, it's you know, it's starting at a point in the in the stories where we haven't really seen before, so yeah. it was. At the same time, it was a brand new story, and um, and I feel like you know where we start. There's so much room to travel. You know, he becomes a different character. He uh, goes on the road with so many different characters. So it's a, it's kind of it's an it's an honor to have that depth and that that um that good material behind me, but also to be at a point in the story that carry will carry for so long. Hopefully, what's your relationship? I mean, one of you said you love Batman. I was like. Okay, so how are they getting along, or what's going on between the two of them and Batman? There is a love and a care that they both have for one another. Batman took Dick Grayson in at a time when he had lost lost his parents and decided to mentor him and give him everything. A place to sleep, a roof over his head. So, um, so there's definitely that, I think underneath it all is that love, you know, that a father would have for their son, but... Um, but the way Bruce, you know, has been fighting and uh, and the brutality and the ferociousness that he kind of that he inflicts on on his opponents um, has driven Dick to kind of go away and find a different way of fighting crime and and uh, not necessarily what he was what he learnt from Batman. And on that journey, he realizes that it doesn't have to be that brutal and that, you know, ferocious and that destructive. Um, and so he decides to figure out a new identity and find out, you know, basically who he is all over again. Why is Dick Grayson so interested in helping Rachel? I think he sees in her a little piece of himself as a kid. He was also someone who didn't know his parents, in a, you know, at a young age. And... Um, or lost his parents and, and didn't didn't grow up with them, and, and I think he feels uh, empathetic to that loss, and, and decides to help him out because there's no one else. He related to Robin's story. You know, it's kind of breaking away from my—it's not rebellion, but the, the breakaway from from any you know guardian, parent, hometown, whatever it is, in order to fulfill a goal, is kind of like what Dick Grayson is going through. You know, he left his home in Gotham, he left his everything, you know, there to to basically find out who he is and uh, and, and begin the search for a better a better way of doing what he loves to do. Uh, and in a way that's you know that's that's me, you know, going to LA to try and become an actor, you know, when I was younger. So leaving Australia, jumping over the pond and, you know, trying to get gigs is 
you know, and that's kind of brutal in its own way. <laughs> he recounts wearing the Robin suit for the first time. When I put the full suit on, there was a bunch of different fittings that gradually built the suit multiple different parts when I first put it on with the plate I was really impressed yeah it had um, it had a really cool shiny touch to it but but also looked like I've been fighting in it for years and years which was really important to me so I say I enjoyed your performance I you signal I talked about oh great dude yeah awesome man thanks for checking that out I'd love to do a sequel for that one kind of like almost your first superhero it was yeah yeah <laughs> playing dove is Minka Kelly Dove and Hawk relationship is my, my favorite. Um, I just I just love it because uh, you know Jeff Johns and Akiva have done such an amazing job of creating this very real, grounded, grown up world more so than any superhero show you've ever seen, while also still keeping the superhero aspect of it. Um, which also lends itself to Hawk and Dove, and that this is a very codependent relationship. Um, this is a very flawed and damaged relationship because they're very flawed and damaged people. And I love that just because I relate to that. I've had my share of codependent, uh, toxic, unhealthy relationships. I think we've all had them. Um, maybe some of you are more lucky. <laughs> um, but I, I'm just drawn to the brokenness of uh, the history of these characters and why they, we get to see why they are who they are and why they've become what they've become. And This is a story of lost souls trying to find themselves and their identities and their places in the world. And I think that's such a relatable... Um, Anyone next to Hawk is going to be seen as peaceful. <laughs> um, it's nice. You know, I will say it's an honor to be able to play a female um, character that is nurturing and warm and calm while also will fight and be strong and tough if she needs to be. I don't think that the two are mutually exclusive. And so I'm excited to show that and bring that to life because you don't have to be one or the other. You can be warm and nurturing and um, compassionate and empathetic while still ha kick someone's ass if, if need be. <laughs> so your costume experience, I posted a picture when they first posted a picture of both of my Yeah. It was so much fun. Um, LJ, the girl who created these, is such a genius. My goodness. And um, it, it was a lot of fun. And the wings themselves are incredible. Um, a little heavy, but fun. Um, it's, it's fun. As soon as you put it on, you just feel like... You feel graceful, but also like ready to kick some butt. <laughs> um, it's, it's a lot of fun and more comfortable than you would think. Once I did my research and read all the books and uh, got to know her, I was so um, touched that they saw me and Dove because uh, I fell in love with her right away. Um, so, you know, it's lucky to not have to, you know, to be the first one to do it, but they're also big shoes to fill too because there's a lot of people who know and love this character already so um, I, I'm excited that Akiva and Jeff allow us to stay as true to the books while also taking some creative liberties as well so that it is more grown up than what we've seen before um, and I think that they assume that the audience is um, that, that you guys want something that will uh, challenge you to think and to go a little deeper and um, then, I don't know, it's just been fun. Dove approaches this as her last job. 
Um, I think that that's her fantasy. I think she'd love to hang up her suit and go live in the suburbs and have a bunch of babies. But Hank is the love of her life, and she knows that he's not going anywhere soon, and so she'll probably lie to herself and think that he means it when he says it's the last job but she's not going anywhere she knows he needs her and that's the essence of a codependent relationship and so um, she knows that he needs to save his ass every once in a while so she's not going anywhere it's actually neat that the show is really the evolution of the team with the evolution of his characters mm-hmm. they're not finished product mm-hmm. no yeah these are definitely not finished products and also we sort of go backwards as the season goes on in episode 10 you see where Hawk and Dove meet for the first time you see how Hawk and Dove become Hawk and Dove um, so in that episode it's it's all human there's no superhero aspect to that at all it's it's you see me with my mom you see him with his brother you see you we get to go back in history and really find the origin stories and see where these people were broken and uh, that was a really fun episode to dive into she comments on the relationship between Robin and Dove they do a really good job of all of it and um, it's it's beautiful. Akiva and Jeff Johns are incredibly beautiful poetic writers and and every episode that we get it's just so exciting and so much fun. One of the reporters suggested that Dove and Marvel's Dagger team up. Team? Would they be a team or would they be against each other? I think they'd conquer the world. Yeah. Are you kidding? Two of us? Yeah. Yeah. They'd be unstoppable. <laughs> right? What do you think? Thanks for joining in. I'm Tony Tolado.